I think that the clients who are more likely to dump their social media manager for an AI tool are the types of clients you probably don't want to have anyway. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. It is time for a cozy Q&A. It's been a while since I've done one of these, and a lot of questions have built up on my YouTube community tab, as well as just in videos that I haven't uh, specifically addressed. A lot of them are just a little bit more nuanced. They require a bit more conversation. So let's do that here today. The first question is, if you were to start from scratch as a freelancer today with zero resources or people to serve, how would you go about it? So first thing I want to say is if you haven't yet watched last week's episode all about the Rami Sethi TV show and his three tips, definitely recommend watching that. But in addition to that, I'll also say, I think it's just about coming up with your offer. Number one, figuring out what you really want to do, write down a list of things that you're good at, things that you're experienced in industries, business types that you are knowledgeable in and come up with your offer and then talk about your offer. It really is that simple. And I know it it can be complicated because there are so many different avenues or routes and places to talk about your offer. But I think go back to basics. For me, that has actually been the most valuable, especially when I was first starting, as opposed to trying to like be the biggest social media star in the world, I tried to be the star of my neighborhood and then the star of my city and then the star of my state and so on. That meant I was going to networking events. When I first decided to go full-time freelance, I told myself I need to go to one business networking event a month minimum, but I usually tried to go to much more whether that was a chamber of commerce thing, whether that was a conference, whether that was like a small, you know, business meetup, whatever in some basement somewhere. I mean, not like creepy basement, you know, you know, a random thing. I was doing it all. I was just getting my name out there and I wanted to become the go-to person, like I said, in my community first, and then kind of like branching outwards. Now, of course, social media has a space in this. I also found business on LinkedIn and Upwork and social media, but I will be honest that I think, I think a lot of people neglect the in-person stuff or the community-based stuff because the internet is just, it's like right here, you know, it's like on my phone, so it's easier. But I think the value that you get from those in-person relationships is just so much stronger in most cases when you are new. How do you handle negative slash critical comments? Do they get to you? I can't take the slightest critique, LOL. I don't know if it's just me. It's funny because when I was first compiling these questions, I was like, you know, I kind of like go through and like run through what my answer would be. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have like much on this. And then as fate would have it, you know, the universe sent me a very nasty comment, like literally that night or the next day that did very much get to me. So first I'll tell you kind of what my original thought was, is like, no, I mean, uh, yeah, in the beginning, every little negative thing would drive me up the wall. People would say, oh, she touches her hair too much or her voice is annoying or she's ugly or she's too skinny or she's too fat or this or that. And like everything would get to me. Now I kind of learned to put the blockers on those things. Number one, like I just don't really pay attention to any type of meaningless comments, you know, and also I can't be mad at people for having an opinion. I can be mad at people for saying those opinions, but you know, whatever, like it doesn't, it does has nothing to do with the type of person I am, my character. Like, I just don't really care. Um, but the comments that do bother me are the ones that insult my, either my character or that are just kind of very condescending and talk to me like I'm stupid. I don't like those ones. 
And that was what I got right after screenshotting this was I got one that said it was on my how to start a YouTube channel in 2023 video. And somebody said 172,000 isn't a creator. Basically implying that I had no followers and I had no idea what I was talking about. And that I was kind of, he kind of implied I was like a scammer too, like an MLM type thing. And those types of comments do get to me because I know that that is never my intention. I know that that is not my business model. I know that I am not any of those things. And I also know that 172,000 people, like I'm not trying to flex here, but that's bigger than the population of my hometown by like two plus. It is hurtful when something that you're very proud of, like your business, like a YouTube channel you've built up, like your intelligence, you know, like any of any of those things is attacked. But I'll be honest, it hurts for like a minute. Huge thanks to Metricool for being a sponsor of the Freelance Friday podcast. I know that you already know how much I love them. They are an all-in-one social media management tool, and they also have both free and premium plans. They're also constantly releasing new features to help save you time and grow your online presence. Some of the new features that have recently been added include multi-posting so that you can repurpose content in seconds, an AI generator to help you get inspired and write unique copy. You can also view and reply comments from LinkedIn business pages and YouTube. You can create a thread from a piece of text for Twitter or X, and you can track where traffic is coming from by creating UTM links for your posts right within the Metrical Planner. And you can also upload your own custom cover photo for Instagram Reels. There's so many more new features constantly being released. So be sure to check out Metricool. You can get 30 days free on any of their premium plans using my code Latasha. I'll also leave the link down below in the show notes for you so you can give them a try. What do you like and dislike most about social media? I think if we're just talking in general, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think for dislike, certainly it is very addictive. I think to pretend like social media is not addictive is just to, we're being completely dishonest here. I think we will look at these devices, these cell phones, the way that our parents and grandparents looked at cigarettes. It's honestly shocking, even to me, who I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on these things. I, you know, I still, sometimes I'll look at my screen time and I can, I can map it too, to periods of feeling low, feeling depressed, and look at my screen time and see how they are um, correlated. And and I don't know which one is causing which, right? I, I think a lot of times it's like I feel depressed and then so I lean on my phone just like I would a substance or something like that. I don't think that is healthy. That said, what I like about it is it is a great unifier. I don't know how often I share this, but, you know, I growing up, I had no friends, barely at all. I had like one or two friends, you know, like in each period of my life. Um, I found it very hard to connect to people for a lot of reasons that I didn't understand then, but I do understand now that I learn a little bit more about how my brain works and the internet created communities for me. It gave me some of my most dear, nearest, dearest friendships of life, even still today as an adult. Um, it got me jobs. It built, got me a career. You know, I, I think there is so much good that comes out of it. And so that's what I try to focus on. And I still do think that the good outweighs the positive, but, um, yeah, as a UGC creator being asked to be a virtual assistant for a brand, how can I guarantee that the brand will grow? You can't common, common question I get is what do I tell the brand or the, the brand is asking me how much I can grow their social media or how much these UGC videos can grow their social media or whatever. You cannot 
promise that? How can you ever promise that? How could you ever guarantee that? Number one, like you don't know how good the video is going to be. I mean, you can, you can guarantee that I'm going to put my everything into this video. I'm going to do my very best to make sure it performs well, but you don't know that. And number two, you do not know what is going to happen in the social media space that day. Instagram might push an algorithm update. LinkedIn might, their servers might crash, like whatever you do not know. So you cannot make guarantees. If a client is pushing you to guarantee amount of growth, I would say run. That's my best advice. That is not the type of client that you likely want to keep my verbiage. And what I would recommend saying is, you know, the typical growth is this, here's what some of my other clients have seen, or if you haven't had many clients yet, you can benchmark, you can look at industry benchmarks. What does the industry typically see? Meaning look at some of your competitors, look at others in that industry, take a look at, you know, how fast they tend to be growing, how often they tend to be posting all of those things. That is going to help you come up with benchmark numbers, benchmark data. You can provide that And you can say, this is kind of the typical, this is what I would expect to see. This is what I would anticipate, but you cannot say you are going to grow by a hundred followers after one Instagram reel. Like you just can't do that. It's not fair to either you or the brand. What kinds of videos or small projects did I do? I think this is about portfolio projects. And what would you recommend starting with today? I did, um, a like hometown project. I did an Instagram for my hometown where I'd just like take pictures of architecture and events and things that were going on in my town. Um, and I also did, first of all, my own blog, I wrote my own blog for, you know, since I was in high school about whatever, like I would write music reviews. I would do beauty and fashion stuff. I would do like cultural, you know, kind of essays. And then I also, I would say portfolio work for me would also include political stuff. So I would volunteer on political campaigns. I eventually worked as a, like a paid person on a political campaign, but I started out doing community organizing and stuff, um, for free. And a lot of that was using Facebook at the time, creating Facebook events, inviting people to groups, posting on Facebook. Um, and another thing that I think was included in my portfolio work kind of unofficially was I worked at Victoria's Secret throughout college. Um, I know that they're kind of like, there's some scandals going on with them, but it was really one of the best jobs I've ever had. I loved working there. I started out as a manager of the beauty section or like a beauty store, but I eventually got a promotion to be a staffing supervisor, which I loved that job so much. It was like an office job in the store. It was so cool. And the reason I got that job was because I understood LinkedIn. And so my job was to hire and recruit for the store and interview and and hire people. And I knew how LinkedIn worked. So I was like, oh, we can like create a LinkedIn page and we can recruit via LinkedIn. And so I did, I did a lot of recruiting via LinkedIn. And this was, you know, I don't even want to say the year. It was a long time ago, like over a decade ago. And not a lot of people like knew about that, at least in my store (laughs) um, that well. So I would also say that that definitely helped me learning how to social network, learning how to recruit and hire on LinkedIn. The second part of the question, what would you recommend starting with today? Any of those things. Yeah. Start a passion project, start a podcast, start an Instagram, start a TikTok about something that you're passionate about. See if your job, like for me with Victoria's Secret, see if your job has additional roles that you can take on. If you're, you work at like, let's say a small boutique and you guys aren't posting any Instagram reels and you know that probably posting Instagram reels of the new shipments would like help 
just ask your boss, hey, can I do a reel a week? Can I come in on shipment day and just record a reel or, or whatever? See if you can get some additional responsibilities at your existing job or just, um, yeah, talk to friends and family if there's a particular job you want to do. See if anyone wants some kind of pro bono uh, portfolio work and see how it goes. You mentioned you're not a Facebook ads expert. This is what withholds me to start finding clients. Would you talk more about how you approach this aspect of your business? Where did you find your Facebook ads person and how have you arranged that? Um, yeah, so it's funny because my last corporate position was actually like a paid ads strategist or coordinator or something. And I do know how to run Facebook ads. Like, let me be clear. I think it is important to know enough to be dangerous. And what I mean by that is that if you're going to delegate something, I think it is important to be able to understand how to look at the reports, look at the back end, speak their language when you're on calls with them and understand really what they're doing. And to be able to really place that order, if you will, will correctly. Like, I'm not just going to hire an ads person be and, and ask for something ridiculous. Like, hey, can you sell out this, you know, $100 a ticket event in two days on Facebook ads. I know like my basic level of Facebook ads knowledge tells me that that is not realistic, you know? So I think it is important take a free ads course. I think Meta still offers like a free Facebook ads course. I'm planning a Facebook ads video soon actually. So stay tuned for that. Uh, you know, you can, I'm sure you can look it up on YouTube now, even there's lots of stuff out there. So you should know a little bit, but yeah, I definitely wouldn't say that I am an expert or that I could serve every single industry or, or you know, be like super amazing for, for everybody. I, I'm going to be honest. So number one, you don't have to be the expert at everything. I think that's something a lot of people uh, don't realize they feel like they have to be this like full service agency and you're a one person show. It's like that you don't have to. So how I handle it is I, if somebody asks for Facebook ads, I can either give them a referral or if it is a client, like a long-term client that I know I'm going to work with for a while, I might hire somebody onto my team who is, you know, subcontracted under my agency. So that's how it works. How did I find my ads person? I'm actually not working with an ads person now, but I was earlier in the year and last year to test out running ads to my own courses. I did stop that. I might pick it back up again someday, but how I found her is just through social media. She actually followed me on social media. Then she eventually became a coaching client of mine. And so we just maintained a relationship. Why to YouTube for freelancers? So I guess this question is why should YouTubers, why should freelancers start a YouTube channel or should they at all? And I think this is a brilliant question. I think if you have it in your heart, if it is on your heart, if it is on your head to start a YouTube channel, I think you should. YouTube has absolutely changed my life. I am forever grateful to this platform in so many ways. Yes, business-wise, but also personally, I think it's helped me in so many ways just develop my speaking skills, all kinds of things. But we're just talking business here. I think that YouTube is a fantastic way to develop two things. One, credibility and two, discoverability. So credibility, because I think YouTube still, even though yes, there's TikTok now, there's Instagram, there's all these different platforms. I still think that YouTube is looked at as the place where like authoritative content lives. Meaning if you are a true expert at something and you don't have a YouTube channel, I've got questions. Why are you not putting all of this great knowledge onto YouTube? People can really learn from you and kind of fall in love with your content. They can binge your content on YouTube. I think a little easier than 
on some of the other platforms where, you know, like I just put when I, when I love a YouTube channel, when I find a new YouTube channel that I love, I just put their channel on and like play it in the background throughout the day and just like really get to know them in that way. It's not as easy to do that with TikTok, right? You kind of have to have this active scroll and, and have your phone open and stuff. Discoverability, because it's a very SEO rich content, meaning that even still I have YouTube videos from three to five years ago, that was a very weird assortment of numbers I just shared, but you know, two to five years ago that still are performing, that are still getting views and not just views, but comments as well. And email signups or course signups, whatever's linked in the description box of those videos. YouTube is actually a my YouTube at least is actually a grower. Most of my YouTube videos actually don't do very well in the beginning. Like, and I always put pressure on myself, especially if it's like a branded video or something like that. It's sponsored. I'm always like, oh my gosh, the brand's gonna hate me. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't get it. But if I look back at that video four months from now, it's like quadrupled, if not more in views. So it's just interesting because, you know, when people start searching for that topic, like it, it lives beyond you is my point. It's not just of the moment. It really has a long shelf life. And I think it's really smart. I think it's, you know, it's how I get most of the traffic over to my website, which in turn converts to paying clients or students or, um, you know, whatever. So yeah, I think it's valuable. Is there any threat of AI for social media managers? I did a video about AI. Um, I think it was early this year. And I probably do for an update. A lot of people ask me for more thoughts on it. Listen, I'm not, I don't hate all AI. I think some people believe that because I'm skeptical. And, uh, you know, I think I'm a, I'm a little older than some people who listen to this show. And maybe that makes me a little more jaded or something. I don't know. I don't hate AI. <laughs> I think there are tools, there are tools that I use, including Metricool. Uh, which is one of my favorite tools, my favorite tool to run my business, to schedule social media. They have AI features integrated within their their tool that I think are great. Like, sure, if a, if a little rephrasing of your words is gonna help you get that social post out, I think that's wonderful. But we have to look at the dark sides of things too. And I don't think that we can, or that we should allow just completely unregulated use of it that is done so irresponsibly to the point where, yeah, people at best are losing jobs, at worst are getting falsely imprisoned. You know, these things are happening or, or getting their lives ruined by somebody putting out false pictures of them and things like that. So um, that's not really what you asked. You asked specifically about social media managers. Yeah, um, I think there is a bit of a threat, but here's what I'll say. I think that the clients who are more likely to dump their social media manager for an AI tool are the types of clients you probably don't wanna have anyway. They're the same clients who will dump you their social media manager for their little cousin who can work as a free unpaid intern and do your job just as well. I think there will always be a need for quality work. There will always be a need for interaction, for that human connection, that human voice. And there, yes, there will always be clients who want to cheap out. Like that's just the way it is. I think look at who your target is, you know, look at your positioning, figure out those things that are not so easily kind of um, automated and where your true zone of genius really lies. I think, yeah, it will probably get a lot of people out of the industry, which I don't necessarily think is even the worst thing. Obviously, I don't want people to starve. I hope they find other jobs. I'm not saying that. 
But I think it will get some of the, some of the people who are were already cutting corners, you know, who are copying other people, who were like writing terrible quality posts to begin with, you know, who were not really investing in their skills at all or trying to be a true subject matter expert. I think those people, yeah, those people are gone. They will not be in the industry anymore because an AI tool can do just as well as them. But for those who are doing all of those other things and who are really invested and, you know, true experts and and truly hungry for knowledge and experience and all that stuff, I think we'll be fine. Um, You just got to find your your zone of genius and be able to speak to that and why it's better than a robot. I don't know. What camera do you use? Okay, this one's a little bit easier. What you're looking at right now is a Canon R10 with a Sigma art lens. And what I use for my vlogs is the Sony ZV-1. That one's pretty new, but I'm really liking it actually. It took me a while to like it, but I do really like it. And that one, I put a wide angle lens on it. I'll list a video up here that shows my whole podcast setup. And um, I'll probably link the products on the video too, if you wanna check those out. I learned through social learning. So your work week videos have been super helpful to me. One thing though, how do you catch up when you fell, fall off track for a few days? I've been having a hard time finding a catch-up routine that I can follow. It's one of the most challenging aspects of running a business for me. If I fall off track, where and how do I begin so I can catch up? Really good question. I'm glad that those work week videos seem to be helpful for people. I try to always keep it real, but I also like, I definitely don't share all of the lowest slow moments, not because I'm trying to make myself look cool, but because I never want it to seem like I'm like, oh my God, I'm complaining again. You know, my life is so hard. Like I'm so like lucky and, and you know, privilege in so many different ways that I never want to like spend all day complaining. But yeah, I certainly have bad days, bad moments, days when I just don't want to get out of bed days when I feel like my biggest achievement truly was like waking up and brushing my hair. Like, you know, I definitely have those days and I wouldn't say that they're even far and few between. So yeah, I can relate to this for sure. Um, honestly, I say catch up slowly, you know, like If I've had one of those days, usually they come in like, you know, sets of two or three. So maybe I had two days where I really could only do the bare minimum. I'm not going to try to make that third day when I'm finally feeling better. The day where I, you know, film five videos, respond to all my clients and also clean my house. And also, no, like I'm going to pick one of those things to tackle. Okay. Maybe day one, I'm going to tackle my inbox. Now day two, I'm going to really take care of my house, you know, cause I, it's been a mess. You can't do it all. And obviously you got to like know what your due dates are and stuff. Like sometimes you have to do it all cause you got to get paid, but as much grace as you can give yourself, like is, is the house going to burn down if like, I don't unload the dishwasher for another day? <laughs> Probably not. Same thing for your work. You know, is the, how is the business going to burn down if I don't reply to that person today? And it takes me another day. They should understand in most cases, unless again, the, the issue is super time sensitive. So you got to kind of gauge that yourself, but yeah, it absolutely happens to me. And, um, Yeah. Give yourself grace. I think the last question I'm going to answer today is a really good one. I think I answered this person in the comments as well. I think in the video, I was explaining that you have to find your unique recipe. You know, if you want to get more clients, you have to be innovative. You can't just like copy and paste what everybody else is doing and expect different results, you know? And this person, she asked, or she commented, I love the tips, except the first what's considered innovative. You sell courses and do marketing. That's not new or innovative. 
I'm trying to get into that field, but I struggle with standing out, but you can't really be innovative with something already invented. So I thought this was a really interesting comment and I didn't really take offense to it because I understand like at surface level, yeah, like I do what a lot of other people do. You probably do what a lot of other people do. I think that was exactly my point though, is you cannot just do the status quo. What I responded to her um, was, yeah, okay. So when I launched the social media management accelerator, I did a lot of research on social media management courses. I did not find barely any that offered a kind of classroom setting that were modeled basically after a college class that had cohort-based learning, especially at an accessible, affordable price point. I found basically none. Today, there are more. It's nice to inspire people if I did, if they got that idea somewhere else, that's cool too. But yes, today there are more. When I first started it, that was innovative. Same thing for my marketing business. When I first started, I had this background of film and video. That's what I went to school for. And a lot of people were posting static images on social media. And I was like, why don't we try videos? Why don't we try using a video for a Facebook ad instead of just like some weird graphic or some weird stock photo? And so I combined my experience with my passion and with what I went to school for. And I created a unique recipe and I still do that. A lot of people maybe, you know, I don't know. A lot of people don't know exactly what I do all day. Cause I don't talk about it so much. Um, but yeah, what I do for clients now is a lot of video work. That's a lot of what I do in my, my business, my done for you work. So yeah, those things are innovative. I'm not saying I'm moving mountains or like I'm creating the next viral social media app or electric vehicle or whatever, but there are ways to innovate within your field that do not require you to be an inventor or, you know, to do something completely earth shattering. So keep that in mind, just because what you do might look surface level. Oh, I offer consulting. Oh, I do courses. Oh, I do coaching. How do you do that in a unique way? What is your I hate the term, but like, what's your secret sauce? You know, what makes you, you, what's your unique value proposition? And if it's basic, if it's like, I help small business owners get more leads, that's too basic. Figure out something else. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got to be real here. I'm, I'm being hard on you because I care. Okay. Do you help them through a particular channel that you know the intricacies of, and you have a specific formula for you know, do you offer your students for courses in engaging format, hands-on learning curriculum? You know, you can't just do the status quo. That is not, uh, that's not how it works. I think that was the point of what I tried to say. All right. That's it for now. I think that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to those who left questions on my videos or my community tab. If you have any questions you'd like me to answer in a future episode, be sure to leave them down below this one on YouTube. And I thank you so much for tuning in as always, please subscribe, please like, please share this podcast with a friend who you think would enjoy it. And I'll talk to you in the next one. Bye.